Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. This is a new type of episode that Jason Hardrath and I um, worked on and we're going to do it in two parts because uh, we talked for quite quite some time about this. Basically exploring ego within adventure, what ego means and how it can affect us, uh, other people's perception, how you how we confront that and deal with it, process it. It's a really, really fascinating session, and I think Jason is such a perfect guy to, to bring on board for this. Um, and he's got a huge thread on his Instagram where we really dove into this, and we talk about about it a bit more about why we're talking about this in the intro. But I mean, if you're going to get the most out of this, I'd really recommend listening to uh, his episode on this podcast where we explore who he is and what he's done. You know, for his hundredth fastest known time. Yes, he's <laughs> for those who don't know about him, he's got over a hundred fastest known times. He did um, the 100 highest peaks in Washington in, in uh, oh gosh, it was about 50 days or something ridiculous. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, incredible guy. He's achieved so much. Really humble fellow, I think. Um, and he's got a fantastic film as well about his journey to 100, which I'll put in the show notes if you want to go and have a, a look at that. It's about half an hour long and so worth your time. So go and check that out too. But... Um, yeah, really excited to jump into this. I'm hoping to do a little bit more like this, really, in all honesty. Uh, you know, exploring perhaps fear and risk next next time, alongside getting good guests on and just exploring who they are and what they've done. So, yeah, glad to be putting out another episode. Sorry about the wait, uh, if, you're, if you're fussed about that. But <laughs> otherwise, I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Here's part one. Let's dive into it. Shuttle door has closed. <laughs> yeah, the shuttle door has closed. Prepare for takeoff. Uh, Jason, how are you doing? It's it's good to be back on. It's good to be back on, Chris. Uh, how long has it been? Um, God, I don't know. At least a year. At least a year. At least a year. And, and then you've got the the weird um, time zone my podcast brain lives in, which is we record and then anywhere from five days to five months, I put the episode out. So, um, so I don't know, at least a year. Let's put let's put that marker on there. I think. Yeah. How, well, how have you been anyway? I think the last time we spoke, we we were chatting about your hundred hundred peaks. <laughs> I think so. I don't. I don't think the film had come out yet, right? No, not yet. No. Yeah, no. Journey One Hundred film had not come out. I guess we'll, as a quick aside, I guess we'll have to put the uh, the link to that in the description for people Absolutely. who saw that episode and and want to watch Journey to One Hundred about the climbing Washington's hundred highest peaks, but. uh yeah, I mean, I, I I think we talked quite a bit about the actual experience itself, so we don't need to. People can jump into that prior episode mm-hmm. if they're like, ah, I don't want to listen to these guys talk about this. Let's listen to mountains. Um, <laughs> but yeah, watch watch the film if you haven't. Yeah, I, I I highly highly recommend it. That was it was it was a really well put together film. You know, you watch you watch some of the. I guess they're kind of indie films, aren't they? I don't know. You, an indie film for me is like anything less than um, you know Hollywood. So <laughs> I'm not the right Fair guy enough. to ask the I, category. I can't I don't know enough about movies to argue so yeah it's an but indie it's, film. it's a really well it's a really well put together um it's a really well put together piece so yeah I'll shove that in the description if, if you want to go and watch that afterwards or now or halfway through I don't know but um but yeah it, it's this is going to be an interesting one so basically I, I'm wanting to take the the uh podcast down a direction of taking phrases or topics and really kind of narrowing in on them quite um uh, quite quite narrowly and quite in depth if we can if if we can stick to that <laughs> I don't know um and um and that kind of came about after you you shared on uh, on Instagram just discussing the topic of ego 
in 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 the outdoor space and and actually just just what seems like a really simple question or a simple topic actually like the more you think about these questions like the more the more comes out of it which you know just makes for a good topic like if, if you're getting more questions from answers then you know it's you've got something good there so so yeah thank you very much for not only coming on but pushing me and poking me and making me making me book this in because it's just yeah I've, I've been that guy <laughs> so i'm no yeah I'm, I'm glad this worked out i'm glad you jumped in because yeah uh i mean i guess bringing up journey to 100 the the film is kind of the perfect segue into this because i think by and large the fact that i went on these mountain adventures and i put myself out there on social media and because of that I ended up connecting with athletic brewing and putting a whole film out there about some guy climbing mountains and teaching kids and telling people to like dream big and and all that stuff it's it's like you know that's that can really be perceived as like oh in some people's way of framing ego like oh that guy's got a big ego that's a lot of ego like he's just putting himself out there um and so yeah, what actually triggered the conversation was, you know, as, as sad as it is, uh, uh, someone decided to troll me on social media and created a fake account specifically to, to like, as I was asking questions like, hey, you know, are there any questions, anything more you'd like to to see if I did another film or if I did uh, other things? This person's like, less of your ego. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like I can either let that get under my skin or ignore it or... I can let the teacher in me just grab this thing. And and I, I'll admit it, it was a little bit small of me because I'm like, you know what? What's going to bother this person more than anything is if I can take this thing that they meant as a jab and I can turn it into this beautiful lesson and like allow it, allow people to speak into it. So even I learn more and we all together cohesively have this like difficult conversation about this this topic of ego and social media and being an athlete and what that means and call it calling ourselves things like that and just to like unbox this whole thing and like you know kind of in my mind I know it's like all right well that person whoever that person is clearly is watching so they're going to they're going to watch this whole thing unfold and you know there's one part of that that you could argue like that was small of me to to like get that jab in that hook in but on the other end I've actually had situations where someone came in as the hater, came in as the uh, the troll, and because I was willing to, instead of like get combative with them and defensive, went, hey, yeah, no, you present a good point there. Like, I I do talk about myself a lot. I do talk about what I do a lot. It it is a bit much. It is kind of ridiculous this social media era we live in. You're not wrong, but. If you're going to say I have nothing of value to offer, that's where I'm going to have a problem because I've seen what I have to offer, help people turn their life around, help people take steps in better directions. And so like, I can agree with you up to a point and then we're going to have to break off and agree to disagree. And that's great. And I've had people come across like, yeah, I, you know, I remember one guy, he apologized. He's like, yeah, I kind of came on and was just on the bandwagon with some people who like, you know, think it's ridiculous, you know, you on social media and this whole thing. And, um, you know, they're the kind of like, don't toot your own horn people. Like you should just go do things quietly, which I don't disagree with. Mm. I mean, for a long, long time before ever doing anything for an FKT or publicly, like I was just out climbing mountains fast and hard because I loved climbing mountains fast and hard. And that's still why I do it. I still just love climbing mountains. There's something about going as hard as possible 
out there and being as efficient as possible just feels good. It's how I'm wired. It's like in the film, if people watch it, I was the kid who wanted to run hard in the PE mile. Like think, think of whoever that person when you were growing up was, I'm that, I'm that person. Of course, how I want to express myself in my adult life is still like bringing everything I have to a, to a given effort, a given endeavor. So like, yeah, it's like, there's this agreement and this disagreement and it opened up this big dialogue. And I, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of, kind of explore that with you and see what stood out to you. Right. Cause I know, I know the parts of it that stood out to me and seemed significant to me, but I'm kind of curious. I'm actually almost more curious, like from a third person perspective, what the experience of like viewing that and what seemed important, what, what we can unpack as like, oh, these were kind of the things I think others walked away with and maybe re- reiterate those here. Um, yeah, well, but, I mean, you, you, you've kind of, you've already touched on three different areas, which you could, you can, you, you can almost decide how deep it goes, which is a uh, perception, you know, uh, you, you even referring to taking it academically as small. Like, I, I don't think that's small. I think some of the things I see other people in my life do, I think that's quite small. <laughs> um, you know, so already perception is, is, um, it is a, uh, a huge topic with an intention as well. What's your purpose? What's your intention behind sharing these things, talking about these things, having, appearing to have some sort of an ego. And the third bit as well, that is the, the social media world. That's, that is almost like an entire different identity which can sometimes conflict with your real life in person. Hi, I'm, I'm Jason identity. So that's already three different areas, but I think, um, I think we are talking about starting this off and really just establishing what we really establishing for the rest of the session. You know, what, what are we calling ego? What aren't we calling ego? And then we can kind of go from there. I mean, did you, did you have any uh, academically definitive ideas of, uh, <laughs> of what ego is? Well, I mean, yeah, let's let's just go right to the dictionary. Uh, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance is often a definition. Um, I think that one helps us somewhat, but to me, I think a definition that really like helps me put a a handle on it is the psychoanalytical definition, which is I'll just read it straight off here. The part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and is the sense of personal identity that the part that really jumps out to me is that phrase and is responsible for reality testing. Right. I think there's supposed to be a part of us because right. We all have dreams as kids. We all have dreams as adults of things we maybe could do all these different versions of ourselves. We could potentially actualize and some of it's true. Some of it's possible. And some of it's not, but you can't, you can't tell that before you start running experiments. Like you can somewhat, if you've lived some of a life, you can start to predict with some accuracy what's probably possible and what's not, but often we're wildly wrong. Like when I first broke the six minute mile as a middle schooler, that was like a big goal. And I like believed I could do it. And I worked really hard and I pulled it off and I succeeded, right? That was a reality testing. Right. I was like, oh man, this thing I think I can do. And then I worked really hard and made it reality. And that solidified my mind in thinking like, oh, it's possible to like push, push out the edges of your reality, your limits, right? Your, your, the, the amount of you that can be true for a lack of a better way of saying it. And then I quickly got a, a knock up against that. Like, oh, there are like limits to how far you can do that, which is I wanted to break the school record for the 1500 meter 
when I went to high school. You could have given me an extra six years of high school. I could have been a super, super, super senior and I would never would have gotten anywhere near that record. Like no matter how much extra time you gave me. And I was like, oh, like that is outside of possible reality. But until I truly ran that experiment, I couldn't find out just how much was true and how much isn't true. And I think we make errors both ways where, yeah, sometimes we're the fool where we believe we're capable of X, Y, and Z, and then we come up short. But I think more often, especially as adults, we make the the error in the opposite direction where we think, oh yeah, that's there's no way that's possible for me. When in reality, so much more was, and maybe that thing and even more than it was possible for us, right? And if if you're not doing this sort of psychoanalytical ego experimentation, you're never going to get anywhere near your full potential. And one of my guiding, I, I, why, why I think I would arrive at a place where I could navigate this at a young age was I was, I was much more religious as a kid. So the way I would have framed it back then is when I meet God, I want to ask him, just how close did I get? And the premise of that question is how close did I get to being as fast and going as far and doing as much and being the best person, the most able person, the most capable person I could have been. And that was like a guiding premise for how I, how I approached, like, should I go for this or should I not go for it? Is it ridiculous or should I do it? It's like, well, I want to arrive at the end of life and have like pushed out every possible limit within my human limitations of what I can see out in front of me. Like, this is as much as I could have been and as much as I could have done and as big of an impact as I could have had and as much as I could have accomplished along my personal interests and goals. Um, so I guess as a way of saying like what I perceive ego is, I think that's where ego lives for me. And maybe that's where I start to create some discrepancy because there are other words people toss around, you know, arrogance, confidence, um, what else, narcissism. And I think it's important to like parse those out a bit yeah i was i was gonna say about you know false positives you know essentially what we've got there is um a principle and it services in different ways for different people you know like like you said the narcissism the arrogance um and, and it services as more positive things you know like like uh like passion like and sharing and generosity you know on, on other areas and it all it's all like almost the same that very same principle but it it displays in, in different ways and and i think actually it, it it makes it super hard you know it's important to uh, to acknowledge we're just two people with two with with our own two perceptions of what ego is and isn't and someone could <laughs> listen to this and go they're missing the point <laughs> or they don't even talk about this but <laughs> yeah yeah uh, as soon as as soon as you publish this episode just uh randomly cold email it to a bunch of philosophy professors so that they can tear us apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just score our score our chat of 40 or something yeah <laughs> yeah you, you've got this definition of ego and and it and it just comes up as as different things in fact you know what a, a, a really good analogy um who knows if i'll use this bit but um a really good uh analogy i gave uh, a I heard about was was money um you know rich getting rich doesn't change who you are it just amplifies who you are and i feel like on on, on a much smaller minute scale uh, ego is the same thing you know it, it doesn't change who you are like like doing you know 
doing these things, doing amazing things, maybe short term might make you think a different way, you know, a bit like join the army and you're, you're a squatty for a year or you join university and like the first year you're a fresher and you just go a bit nuts. But ultimately you're still your same person with your core values. And I feel like when you do these things it either humbles you um, or you, you know, you just amplifies who you are and you, you just, you just be yourself really. Uh, and if you've always been a bit of a um, bad word <laughs> and then you, and then you go and do some cr- crazy climbing, then you're probably going to be a bit of a bad word on, on the social world as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you're, if you're a quiet narcissistic prick, then you'll be a louder, <laughs> more annoying narcissistic prick. Um, yeah. <laughs> which gives us some more great, great words. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned the word, uh, arrogance and confidence. And I mean, I, I guess I've set up and again, yeah, the philosopher, if, if they join this might rip us apart, but I think I've kind of, as I think about it, I'm thinking out loud right now, stream of consciousness. Um, good luck, everyone. Um, I've set up ego as almost this exploration it has this explorative element, this uh, experimental element. Like it should be pushing out the limits of just how much you can be just like what your reality's limits are, what's true and what's dream, what's possible and what's not. Okay. So like we kind of put ego and give it a little of that, like it needs to explore what is actually real for you. Um, I think confidence has this element of trust, right? Because when we say we have confidence in a product, it's because we trust the product. It does what it says it does consistently, repetitively. Um, I think self-confidence is kind of that same way. Like it's kind of a, a built up like track record inside ourselves. Like we have a, a confidence like, oh yeah, no, I can go talk to that girl. Cause I've talked to girls successfully many times before, or I can't go talk to that girl because <laughs> I always mess it up. Um, so I think confidence kind of has that trust element to it to kind of like we're parsing stuff out, I guess now. And then arrogance, it, it differs in that it has this sort of superiority complex. I'm better than. And that's the what I think di- differentiates it from ego and differentiates it from uh, confidence is that it takes whatever those experiences are. I think it can come out of, you know, successfully exploring the limits of who you are and building confidence and doing things that other people maybe don't do or can't do, or you perceive they can't do. And so then uh, and I try to catch this in my students, right? When I see them taking this step the wrong way, because every class has the most athletic kid in the class. And so it's really easy for that top kid to start thinking of themselves at the best as the best in that class and get so caught up in that small pond, big fish in a small pond thing that they develop arrogance at a very young age. And so they're, they're, you know, uh, pursuing their values, pursuing the things that they want to get better at and actually putting in practice time, like plummets, their attitude gets terrible. The way they treat others gets terrible. Um, so yeah, there's, there's this arrogance piece to parse it out is when that superiority, like, Oh, because I see myself doing these things more and better than other people, I am better than other people. And once you take that final step, it's like, it just turns into this this tailspin um, that the person inside of it can't seem can't seem to identify or see. They don't see the problems. They don't see the problems they're creating for themselves. There's actually a, a, a so I used to work in sales and they they called it the uh, the arrivals lounge. 
Um, but I think the actual the, uh, the the proper term I think is by Stephen Covey. He says you should you at first you are, uh, and and this is how the arrogance can affect your your athleticism and your your outdoors outdoorsman or woman womanship. Um, is you what you're you're unconsciously incompetent and then you're consciously competent, and then you're consciously competent and then the top level you never want to reach, which is unconsciously competent because. You start not thinking about what you're doing. You just kind of know, yeah, kind of sweet, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. And then you come full circle <laughs> before you know it, back to unconsciously incompetent because you've been that arrogant and and that arrivals lounge, which is the the sales. You know, you, you're there. You've you're sat back. You're just waiting for the plane to take off. You don't have to put any effort in. <laughs> um, and um, and before you know it, you have no idea that you're you're crap again. <laughs> um, and it's and it, yeah, that is that's the same. That's precise. Yeah, it's good that you're you're one person in many sort of combating seeing it in in a young age because it can really affect your outdoors um, progress. Really. Well, yeah, and and I mean, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of it, what I look for when not you know not that I matter, but some people consider me to to be a high performing outdoor athlete. Um, some you know it's arguable. Let's just call it arguable. Um, but if I'm choosing someone I'm going to trust to go out and do a 107 mile push through the back country with fifth class climbing terrain, where it's like life or death and sleep deprivation and a lot of things that can go wrong. What I'm looking for is someone that displays none of the signs of arrogance, none of the signs of, uh, we could get into another one with, with narcissism. Um, none of the signs where, they're so hyper competitive and their, their competitiveness isn't about bettering themselves because they're in the presence of other great people. Their competitiveness is improving their superiority, right? Like any times I catch, I catch an inkling of that type of thinking. I have no interest in that person as a, as a partner for any endeavor, because I know when the going gets tough, they are not going to be the person I need them to be in those moments. They're not going to make the right call. They're not going to do it for the right reasons. They're not going to, they're not going to be in the right spirit in the moments where the struggles come. They're going to be in a negative spirit because if, if things are going poorly and they're struggling and there's the possibility of failure, it would be an evidence right in that framework, subconsciously, semi-consciously in that framework, those moments where it all seems like it's crumbling down is proof that you're not superior. So the whole structure of their their self-concept is at the edges of crumbling. So of course they're going to get defensive. Of course they're going to get aggressive. Of course they're going to get mean. Of course they're going to get angry and abrasive um, because their framework demands it. They have to maintain superiority. They, they can't have something go sideways. They can't be weak. They can't be limited. Uh, so like to me, I, I don't want to venture anywhere with a person like that. Like, sure, maybe I'll do a casual, easy thing where it's so within the realm of possible that it's like, oh yeah, I'm not going to have to deal with the big negative fallouts. Or if it does still go sideways, it's like, it's an hour and a half to get out and I can put up with it for 90 minutes. Um, but what I'm looking for is the people that have that, like, I'm too, like, obviously I've been in the game long enough that I get to choose from people that have pretty amazing track records. Like I think of when I got to go out and do convoluted bliss with, uh, uh, a fellow named Vitaly who has more first ascents 
Um, I would say his last name, but I can't pronounce it right. And hopefully he'll listen to this and make fun of me. Uh, but Vitali, he has more first descents in the Sierra Mountains in California of the United States than any other human being who's ever lived. Um, but he's like a humble, and that's another word we can parse out, humility, humble. Um, but like super confident, super like his resume matches his perception of himself in the outdoors. Like he'll make a call about what direction to go and how to climb it. Whether it's like, yeah, let's take, let's take this harder line. That's more efficient or let's do the longer, less efficient, easier way, because that's not safe. Like his calls, right. That come out of that experience and that confidence um, because of him, you know, to backpedal to like ego and that exploration of himself because he's put himself out there so much. Like he has this capacity that I can trust him. Like, oh yeah, he's not going to be out there just to like show me how much better than me he is, which I would consider him like a a, a better athlete than me. If you want to like get into a hierarchy, I think he's done more. He's accomplished more. He's got a, a, a broader skill set and more strengths. Like probably you could, you could rank order him above me. That doesn't bother me. Like I want to go share an adventure with that person. Um, and like that's, that's the difference, right? Cause he could very easily be like, oh yeah, I'm like the best in, you know, the best who's ever climbed in the Sierra. And I would have no interest in doing anything with him. Like, no, just cause he's, you know, the best doesn't mean he's the kind of person I want to spend time with. Like, sure. Happily, I'll, I'll like be like, whoa, what he's accomplished is really cool. And that's awesome. He did that. And he contributed to, to other climbers in that way by putting up so many new routes. But if he's got that arrogance framework, I have no interest in being near the actual person. Like I can just appreciate what the person's done. And I think that's the, that's one of those differences, right? It's like, you know, the Simon Sinek talks about the, the trust performance paradigm um, where you like draw a graph and you've got trust on one axis and performance on the other. When the Navy SEALs are selecting uh, people to be in uh, SEAL team six, the most elite force, they will choose someone that's slightly lower performance, right? They're still choosing from the best of the best. So it's like, some people are like, well, I don't get that opportunity. Well, you still get to choose somewhat. Um, they'll choose someone that's lower performing on all of like their shooting, running, whatever tests. If they have a much higher trust score, a must higher, much higher trust rank. And this isn't just like, trust you with my life. Um, it's like, trust them as a human being, Right. They'll choose that person because they know the high performance, low trust person is toxic and corrosive to teams. It rips them apart. Nobody wants to listen anymore. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody wants to participate anymore. And that's death, literal death in their situation. They need to care. They need to care so much and have so much trust for one another and be so invested in one another that they'll do anything and work through any problem together in you know, when they're out there in the, in the throes of it, in the fray. Um, and this is true with, you know, how we ought to select people in the mountains, I believe. Um, like you don't want the person that just like climbs the hardest or runs the fastest. You want the person that can actually be relied upon to be who you need them to be in the moments that matter. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how high their skill threshold is if they're going to bail when the going gets tough and they're going to let you down in that moment. So, when when you're thinking about then you know, having you know confidence not arrogance in the mountains you know I, i'm a big believer that you've when you you know when you're doing something truly difficult not not just going for a nice walk uphill you know when you're actually pushing yourself you need to tap in 
to 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 a deeper part of you. Uh, you know, there's there's a weightlifter called C.T. Fletcher on YouTube. Um, about I think about 2012, he started like making some YouTube videos. He's very loudmouthed, very sort of like like lift that weight and stuff. But you know, he talks about you know in his in his prime when he lifted real heavy weights. He genuinely had the mindset of like, I command you, like talking to his muscles, I command you to lift that weight. And like, just, he like took complete control. So how do you balance not being an asshole <laughs> with tapping into that part of you that just isn't going to quit and you're just going to, you're just going to keep going and like dig deep and get it done. Oh man. Um, such a complex question. Um, well, I mean, for me, it almost... it almost comes down to just matter of fact, right? Uh, you know, cause people ask like, Oh, what do you do in your lows? Do you ever doubt yourself? Like da, 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 da. for me, it's like, I've aligned myself along my passions. I've aligned myself in authentically with what animated me all the way back to when I was a little kid, just a, a love for movement, a love for play, a, a known drive to move my body. Um, and because of that, it's like, I know there's no place I'd rather be. Right. And I think that's such a powerful framework when, when you're out in the struggle and you like can go, you know what? I wouldn't rather be watching Netflix. I wouldn't rather be eating pizza. I wouldn't rather be having a, 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 a beer and, and a burger. Like I genuinely would rather be the human out here doing this in this moment with every feeling that comes along with it because that's what it is to really be the person doing that. Um, and so like, that's how it's structured somewhat. If that it sheds a little light, it opens the door at least a little bit. And I think for it to be that like matter of fact, either this is possible or this is not possible. It's like, it's deriving from that confidence, right? If we list that trust element as a piece of confidence, it's a trust of, Nope, I can feel like this and still do that, right? So I can be deep in the suffering and sleep deprived and I can go, yeah, no, I can make fifth class rock climbing moves right now. Keep going. Doesn't matter what it feels like. Doesn't matter what the subjective feelings are, how much it hurts, how much I'm cramping, how much whatever else is going on. It's like, nope, been here, done this. No, my body can keep doing it for X number of hours longer. So that gets me to the finish line. Keep going. Um, or the opposite where it's like, Nope. Getting cold too fast. Temperature dropping too quick. I know I'll have frostbite within X amount of time. And it's going to take me at a minimum this amount of time to push all the way through bail, get down lower where it's warmer, warm back up. Um, right. So it's just like a clean matter of fact. This is, this is the decision that should be made based on that confidence. Which is weird. Cause you, you, you're almost using, you're using that definition of ego. That's that stress testing. You're, you're using that very thing to be matter of fact, you know, you, exactly. you, you, by, by having stress tested, you know, you can be matter of fact, you know, it's not like you just wake up and you go, um, I'm going to run 200 miles today if I, for the first time, <laughs> you know, like you, you've, you've done those incremental steps, you know, you place those bricks to a point where you've done the stress testing and, and that's how you use ego when you don't, you're not an asshole. Like, like, you know, we, we said it comes up in different ways. Like for the, for the people who, who like you guys aren't able to see video, we're able to look at each other's video right now behind me on my wall. I have 150 different bib numbers from, from various distance, uh, all the way down to the 800 meter distance on the track, two laps on a track, 
all the way up to a uh, hundred milers and Ironman triathlons. And so, yeah, there was this, a huge amount of bricks laid. Like I don't say that or hang them up to brag. I hang them up like for this exact conversation. It's, it's, you do this work, you put in all the stress tests to build a bigger concept of your own limits and your own possibilities, right? Every one of them is an experiment and you go, Oh, like I can, I can hurt like that for a little bit longer. Oh, when the muscle cramps come in like that, I still have two hours left before I start vomiting uncontrollably. <laughs> um, it's like, you start to learn like, Oh, where I thought I was done and where I was actually done very different. Like there's a big gap there. And yeah, it's uncomfortable to be in that space, but if I want to go do really, really awesome things and and take on big, big endeavors, like to some degree, I need to know how to spend some time there and be happy about it and be okay with it and be like, yep, this is what I'm feeling. It's part of the experience. Um, but yeah, no, it all comes like, obviously I'm speaking from a place of having put 20 years of my life, two decades of my life into running stress test experiments. And I love that you use that term, stress test. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 you know, it is necessary then, you know, to, to have, to have ego in the outdoors. I, I think, you know, if, if we're establishing it, how we've established it, I think it's necessary to, to, to have that. If you're going to go into the outdoors where you're not safe with Netflix and a beer and, and a blanket, you've got, I think you've got to have a bit of ego to, to understand yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, in a way, like, right, you have to, you have to have the desire to want to experiment at being more than you are. Mm -hmm. And I think to some degree, all of us, anytime we get stagnant in life, we feel just this urgency to, to do something. So, and some of us like our, our outlets for some amount of our life, were really negative. We would do self-destructive things with our inability to sit contentedly with ourselves. Um, and I think in my opinion, like some people are like, oh, well, you just like meditate and you can uh, like just be content exactly as you are. It's like, ah, I don't know if that's what's best for the world, though. I think it, it, like maybe maybe that is true. Maybe it's possible that you could just reach a place of contentment, wanting nothing and, and desiring nothing. And But isn't the world a better place if you can be content, but you can also be running big experiments for bettering yourself? And then be teaching others from that. One of the one of my other I brought up at the beginning of this episode, I brought up sort of a guiding premise of um of my life when I was young. The the one about I want to arrive at the end of life and ask God, like, just how close did I get? Well, along with that, I remember a quote that stuck with me from a very young age, age is an old Chinese proverb, no stream can rise higher than its source. And it's a quote that talks about wisdom right? Like you can't, you can't learn more than what you're learning from. You can't, you can't, you can't get any cleaner or better that if you're, if you're drinking from the sewers and the garbage can, like it's the water that comes out of there is not going to make you, it's not going to be clean and whole. Right. And uh, what's beautiful is I climb in the mountains. We climb in the mountains. We go up, we know that the cleanest water, water you can drink. And then here's a great metaphor here, water that you can drink unfiltered comes from the highest sources. And this is true. When I'm out in the mountains, if I'm above tree line, I will drink right from the flow coming off of the mountain because I know it's very unlikely that there's anything that has gotten into that water that's going to do any harm to me. And the same is true of what we're listening to and what we're learning from. 
and we're seeking those sources we can drink from without filtering out a bunch of bullshit. But also in turn, in turn, that means we ought to seek to become the highest sources, right? If we want to seek maximum good in a human life, we ought to seek to become the highest source we can possibly come. So other people aren't having to run every word we say through 47 filters to get a bit of useful, you know, something out of it. It's not 97% bullshit and 3% actually useful information, right? We want to be 99% useful, real, truthful information. And, you know, all of us have our own biases and whatnot, right? So let's say 1%, 1 3%, whatever it is, bullshit, where they can go, okay, yeah, he's human. Um, and we ought to seek, in my opinion, we ought to seek to become that as much as is within our human capacity. Well, in order to do that, you have to be reality testing. You have to be expanding your ego. It again, in my opinion, that's like what that process is. You're seeking to prove that you can be of more use of more good to those around you. Um, yeah, so I think I think to some degree, at least at the the way my framework works for the world, like you should be not just seeking to be content just as you are. Not that you can't be content and pleased and and able to sit with yourself in a calm, peaceful state of mind. Like I'm not saying you should hate yourself. There's a difference there. Um, but I'm saying you shouldn't eliminate all desire for growth. So we we've we've got this establishment of ego and and, and growing uh as individuals when it comes to criticism long-time listeners of the podcast will, will know i like asking asking guests how they process other people putting their limitations on you but this isn't just it's not just limitations in the topic of ego it, it's it can sometimes feel like a personal attack you know how how do we process criticism when it's surely it's us who do the stress testing, which leads me on to the second bit. And I don't mean to double barrel question you, but you know, who who has the right to to challenge your your ego? You know, who who has the right to say you're you're being a bit full of shit, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um this is a great question. I think I'm gonna frame it this way. I'm gonna frame it along the lines of my opinion of how we ought to maybe manage that. And so I think one of the premises I'll, I'll lay out is this idea of, I like to think of there's this sacred space inside us. I like to, I like to say it's the, the space where our dreams live and we're navigating the limits of what we think is possible and what we dream is possible. Right. So it's, in a way it's like our, our ego, right? It's, it's the, it's the, all these things sitting inside of us that, we think, should I go for it or should I not? Is this a stupid fantasy or is this something I need to actualize, I need to bring into the world? Because, um, you know, a lot of us have absolutely ridiculous ideas that are of no use or purpose that aren't worthy of time that float around inside of us. Um, <laughs> and it's like, okay, if, if I'm actually aiming to be of some use to those around me, of some good to those around me, like how do I navigate what those things are and aren't? Um, and that that I refer to as the space where where people's dreams live. And like I hold it as sacred, like because because of what I've done and showing the film and touring around and talking to people, like people will come up and invite me into that space. You can tell with the questions they're asking that they're 
they're hoping that I have something I can drop into that space that triggers one of those things that's just sitting there statically as a dream to, to start materializing, to start actualizing, um, to make them go, oh, I should do this. Um, and so I take that really, right? Because that's that alters the trajectory of people's lives. It's not like I'm changing them completely. I'm just nudging them toward a version of themselves. So it's like, I better be damn well careful with how I deal in that situation that I'm not just some asshole that pushes them towards something terrible um, that, 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 you know, makes them sh shrink away or makes them give up on something that could be good or, you know, yeah, it's, it's something I take seriously, but right. Then it makes sense to flip that the other way. We should also be very picky about who gets to speak into the space where our dreams live, right? Who gets to speak into the place where we make decisions about what we can and can't actualize for our future. And I think, again, I talked about being aligned with sort of like, would eight-year-old Jason be psyched on who 33-year-old Jason is? Yeah, he would be really, really psyched because he loved playing. He loved climbing, he loved running around. He loved skateboarding. He loved running. Like he loved all this. He just wanted to go, go, go and didn't want to have to sit down and shut up and be still. Um, he just wanted to go, go, go. And that's exactly the adult I've become. I mean, I teach PE. I get to play with kids all day. And then I go out in the mountains and run around and prove to myself and others what's possible. Um, and just have these serene aside from any proving, right? Pull that back away and toss it aside because it's kind of secondary. I get to have these serene sanctuary-like moments with nature as I'm moving through it um, that are just beyond ordinary. And I'm capable of going out and doing that, right? And I love that. And eight-year-old Jason would love that, that I found this way of just being so happy with, with what I do. Um, So... What, who then should I allow to speak into the space where my dreams live? Well, it ought to probably be someone who I can see from the evidence they've aligned themselves similarly. They're doing some kind of really big, almost unbelievable thing that's in alignment with something they care about. Like maybe that's a person I, if they bother to speak into my life, if they're willing to speak into my life, I should listen to what they have to say about how to navigate what to actualize and whatnot. And if a person is living a life that's opposed or even not entirely opposed, even just significantly off from anything I care to become or embody, well, that person should have no permission to speak into that space, right? Like I love my mother dearly, right? Here's a tough one. A lot of people struggle with this. And this gets a little bit into collectivism versus individualism. Um, and my own mother's a deeply, deeply religious woman. And she's, she's wonderful. She's in a, like, I would not have made it through elementary school, let alone be where I am. If it wasn't for her caring more about being a mom than anything else in the universe. And she showed up to school more days than she didn't to make sure I got through the day, like that kind of mom. And she didn't do it begrudgingly. She did it lovingly, hmm. right? And because of that, like, I love her deeply and I appreciate her deeply. And I will always, you know, care for that woman until she passes away. But because she believes so fervently 
in her religion and she's held it since she was, I like to say she was saved from the life of sex, drugs and rock and roll from the age of three. Um, she sees the world in only one way. Right. And she believes it fully without any doubts, 100%. Just this is the way the world works. This is how you ought to see it. And that's wonderful and beautiful. She's embodied what true belief looks like to me. Right. And, and I've taken that like, oh, this is how someone who fully believes something behaves. Like, I think it was built into me before I could even vocalize it or understand that I had had it built into how to behave with the world. Like, why am I able to say I can I think I can go climb 100 mountains and then go climb 100 mountains? I think in some sense, I have to thank my mom for showing me what it really means to believe something, to believe something, it becomes embodied. It becomes the whole of who you are. Um, but anyways, I, I can't allow her to speak into the space where my dreams live any longer. Hmm. She's not allowed to, to speak into the space that defines where my future goes. And it's, a difficult thing and it's a challenging thing and it's definitely frustrating, but she wants me to backpedal and go a different direction that I know is not the direction I want to arrive at in life. I, I don't just want to stay in my hometown my whole life. I don't want to just live across the street from my parents. I don't want to, right. I, I, I want to launch out and go on this grand adventure to, to see the full limits of what was possible for me. And from her framework, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? Not that she would want to limit me, not that she would want to control me, but just like if I was letting her advice speak into that space, I would have never arrived at the place where I'd be having this conversation with you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that's an important distinction, right? Like you can love someone deeply and that does not mean you can trust someone deeply and that does not mean they are the person right here, right now to speak into that space for you. Right. You're, you're looking, yeah. you're looking for the person that is embodying sort of the actualizing process of what you think you ought to be doing more of what you think you ought to be aiming at, what you think you ought to be embodying. And you kind of know, it. I think we have this sense for it when we meet the person that we just want to shut up and listen when, when they're in the room and they're the one talking where we just get this deep sense of respect. It's like, Maybe not in every area, maybe some areas of life, you shouldn't listen to them. Like their advice won't be good, but in some aspect that matters to you, there's something you're supposed to derive and put into the process that will become embodied, will become actualized. That's my opinion of how, how we navigate that, where you just, you almost, you almost can't help it, right? It, it, the tough part is putting yourself to actively put yourself in the presence of where you can find those people that is like, whoa. This is a person I need to listen to. Oh, but you know what? Though we kind of come full circle to what you said I, I, yet again for well, the second or third time now. We, we come full circle to what you said at the beginning, which is ego comes from uh, testing the the, you know, the limits of reality, and and on a very similar level, that gut instinct. I feel like for me, my gut instinct comes from trial and error, and and it comes from having listened to the right people and gone that worked well. And it comes from having listened to the wrong people and gone, oh, whoops. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think yet again, yeah, another whole aspect that really affects who we are.
and it ties right back in again to, to that ego definition and, and and building that that the the, the other part which I, I like as well which is that that concept of self-identity so that's part one part two is going to come next week on saturday again and uh yeah i hope you enjoy it and if you haven't guessed so far we're not scholars but um, it's definitely something that we uh, i think we had fun exploring so i hope you enjoyed part one give us any thoughts any feedback you have anything we might have missed It'd be very interesting to know um and part two next week hope you enjoy Thank you.